This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 13, and today we're talking about books released on August 4th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Lucky number 13! Woo-woo! I I wondered if maybe we should skip 13 and go right to 14, but I thought we would get email from people like, hey, the last one was 12, and this one's 14. Now you've cursed us. (laughs) Like, my microphone is going to die, and something else horrible is going to happen. My ceiling is going to fall on my head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're done now. We might as well just stop here. We're doomed. We're recording late this week. We're, We're on Sunday afternoon. Which is, because you had a little vacation. I was on vacation this week. I went to Lake Lure, North Carolina, which is like in the, kind of in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's the lake where a lot of dirty dancing was filmed. Ooh. So I saw the stairs where she does, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> and How many people a day do you think stand there and take their photo and say that? So many. The, the, like, the actual stairs are on private property. So we kind of, you, we were in a boat and you can boat past where they are and see them. Um, but one of my sister's-in-law did drive by that area and trespass so that <gasps> she could get her photo on the watermelon stairs. Oh my goodness. I hope she can't be, you know, punished retroactively. She's, <laughs> she's she, not in vacation jail. They're hauling her <laughs> off to jail after this podcast airs. Uh, and I got to go into Asheville, North Carolina, which was really only about 20 miles from where we were staying. And and see uh, it's an it's such a cute city um, and Malaprops bookstore is there which I had been wanting to visit forever so I went to Malaprops and I got to check it out they had awesome displays including this thing that I just love uh, which if you follow me on Instagram you saw um, they do this thing called blind date with a bookseller where all of the books on the shelf are wrapped in brown paper and then there are descriptive terms written on the outside of the book and you pick blindly based on the descriptive terms and then you can unwrap your book after you uh, check out and find out what it is and like if you don't want the book or if it's a book that you've already read they'll exchange it for something else you know you're not stuck with your blind date if it turns out to be a dud for you but uh, i i did one and i got the book of speculation uh, which you raved about a few weeks back so i felt like that was a good sign that's a that's a cool idea it's like secret santa all year round yeah, with booksellers, which I just think is fun. like that's a fun way to pick a book is just purely by um, descriptive terms from people who have read and loved it and aren't being paid to tell you that th- that particular book is awesome. <laughs> it's not yes. like it's not like publisher marketing. Uh, we've got good books out this week. It feels like we were talking before we started rolling the tape that um, it feels like the fall book bump is starting early this year. There are so many books out August 4th, which I should say, there are so many books out today. Um, it's it's insane. Like, I've never seen this many books out in the summer before. It do, it's, It is really kind of surprising and exciting. There are some really good ones on our list this week. So you want to take it away? Yes. Yes, I do. Because the two big books of July, 
Wait, did Grey come out in July? I can't remember. Uh, June? July? Yeah. Okay, I don't so remember. So let's say the two big books of July. Harper Lee, Dr. Seuss. Everybody's excited. You know, unpublished manuscripts. I say forget that. Oh. This is the book that, this is the unpublished work that I was the most excited about this year. The one that I have been waiting, waiting, waiting for. And it is called Let Me Tell You New Stories, Essays, and Other Writings by Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. This is I worship her. Like what your wheelhouse is built around. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like she is, she's the greatest. If you don't know who she is, she's basically the queen of 20th century gothic horror. Like she's just incredible. Um, she was an American author and she died in 1965. She was very popular in her time. She published in the New Yorker and several papers. She had several books, short stories. Her most famous work is probably the short story, The Lottery, which many people had to read in school. Um, If you think it sounds kind of familiar, but you're not really sure, I have one word for you which will jog your memory, and that word is rocks. (laughs) She also wrote uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which was made into a couple of films, one good, one not so good. Um, She wrote all kinds of things, humorous essays, scary stories, creepy novels, Uh, She wrote a great memoir about raising her kids, and it was, like, told in in her brilliant, twisted sense of humor. Uh, She just made great observations. Um, One of the books I read as a child that changed my life was her novel, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, oh, it's the best. I read it in eighth grade, and it blew my little mind. I never read anything like it. You've talked about that book for as long as we've known each other. Like, it's the book that I associate with you more than anything else. Yeah, it, it's, I never read anything like it when I was a kid. And I, I just one day was standing near my teacher's desk and it was like sitting on the top of her bag. And I was like, what's she reading? I want to read that. So I didn't take it. I got my own copy. <laughs> just just to be clear, I wasn't like, little, like I didn't pilfer it. Um, anyway, she's, she's credited with influencing more people than I could possibly list here. Um, you know, Stephen King said that she was a huge influence on his writing, uh, Neil Gaiman, Richard Matheson, just a ton of people. Um, and this is a new collection of all kinds of things that have never been published before. Like I list, like it lists in the titles, it's like essays and stories and all the stuff. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I will be the first to admit that my excitement for this book may have swayed my judgment some, <laughs> but I loved it. And I, I have read some reviews recently that came out that said that this isn't her best stuff, but of course it's not her best stuff. If it was, it would have been published. Like, this is stuff that she didn't publish, probably for a reason. But if you love Shirley Jackson, you know, it's really exciting to get this. If you've never read her before, it's a great place to start. You know, and even her not best is better than most. So, so true. So, I mean, I hope that Let Me Tell You brings, you know, Shirley Jackson to the eyes and ears of brand new readers because she is still the queen. So that is Let Me Tell You by Shirley Jackson. Man, I'm so looking forward to getting to that. I love her so much, and I'm not nearly as widely read in her work as I want to be. So one nice collection of early work sounds really appealing to me. Yeah, it's great. Cool. Uh, I don't have a good segue for this first pick this week, so I'll just jump right into it. Uh, My first selection this week is called The Girl Who Slept With God by Val Berlinski. Uh, This is a debut novel. We have talked so many times about the 2015 being a year of just like an embarrassment of riches in debut novels, and I think this one belongs right alongside the ones that we've talked about so far. Uh, It's set in the 1970s in a small town in Idaho. This is about a teenage girl or like early middle school, so maybe not quite 
quite teenage, uh, named Jory, and her older sister, Grace. Um, they have a younger sibling as well, but that sibling doesn't really play into the story as much. Their parents are um, super fundamentalist Christians, sort of like the proto uh, prototypes for the 1990s evangelical movement. Um, and Grace has always been, uh, the older sister Grace has always been very passionate and sort of obsessive about living her faith and being a good example. And she goes off on a mission trip with a bunch of other uh, people from their church to Mexico. And Grace comes back pregnant from the mission trip and says that the baby is God's. Uh, no one really believes her, but also the whole family is scared of Grace because of sort of how righteous and how angry she can become. And so they don't ever like outwardly challenge her that the baby isn't really God's and come on, tell us whose is it. Uh, but the family is really ashamed of what this is and uh, they want to keep it a secret. So her parents, Jory and Grace's parents, buy a separate house. It's like the little, basically a guest house on another person's property a few towns over and they send middle school-aged Jory and her pregnant teenage sister Grace to live in this house all by themselves. And like, they're just going to bring over groceries and check on them a few times a week. Um, and so Jory, the most of the book is from, is about Jory. Um, it's narrated from her perspective. Uh, she is pulled out of the small, conservative, kind of cloying, but at least familiar to her Christian academy that she's gone to and go, starts going to a rural public school where the kids are all wearing 1970s fashions and they smoke and they drink and they use slang words that she doesn't know about. And they have all these cultural references that she doesn't know about. And she's miserable and wants to, you know, like meet a boy and fit in. Um, there's also this creepy guy named Grip who drives the, of course, he drives the ice cream truck uh, through their town because, of course, he does because he's creepy. He's like an old hippie with a, not, well, not an old, he's like a 24-year-old hippie with some secrets. And Grip befriends Jory and Grace uh, in a way that feels creepy but is not like as creepy as it could possibly be. Uh, so you can take that to me <laughs> what you will. Uh, this it's I thought this was a really fascinating novel. I love stories about religious cult experiences and in, and more broadly stories about what happens when belief and idealism bump against really painful realities. Um, what happens between Jory and Grace and their parents is a, a really solid and compassionate look at what how our families can love us, but also harm us in their desire to do the right thing, um, or, or, you know, be blinded by ideals and hope and, and sometimes blinded by the things that we believe in. It was it was a really enjoyable read. Also out this week, if you're into cult stories, um, is uh, Alice LaPlante's new novel. And of course, now I'm, oh, it's called Coming of Age at the End of Days, uh, which is also about a teenage girl who finds herself involved in a doomsday cult. So if that's a thing that rings your bell like mine, you might check that out as well. But this one is The Girl Who Slept with God by Val Berlinski. Spoiler alert, the baby is not actually God's. What? I know. I'm not reading that now. <laughs> Does his ice cream truck play Enter Sandman? 
We say yes. <laughs> it should. It was like this was the perfect thing to read on really hot summer days because we are getting the ice cream trucks rolling through my neighborhood in Richmond and that music just creeps me out every time. So I had like a built-in natural soundtrack for thinking about Grip picking up teenage girls and driving them around in his creepy ice cream truck. And like he teaches he takes them swimming and teaches them how to float. It's uh there are mm. some uncomfortable parts of the book, but like necessarily uncomfortable. Uh, I really liked it. Yeah, What's next I've heard for nothing you? but great things. Yeah, it was a really good read. Um, oh, I guess I'm up next for our first sponsor. Uh, Book Riot took over this episode of All the Books. And so first up, we're going to talk to you once again about Book Riot Live, which is our first live event. It's November 7th and 8th in New York City. So we're just about three months away. And we are so, so, so excited. Uh, this is the book event that we have always wanted to go to. So we decided to make it. Uh, the speakers and the programming are as diverse as books and readers are. Um, there is programming specific about uh, if you care about political issues and social justice, how you can interact those with your reading life um, and support those goals. But there will be also sort of straight book-focused stuff, like the panel that we're uh, behind the scenes calling Farm to Table, which is about how a book gets made. It has an author, an agent, an editor, a publicist, and a book designer on it. Uh, we're talking to folks who are whose careers are book-adjacent. Uh, Ariel Bissett is a booktuber who's very well-known. Danielle Henderson is the creator of The Feminist Ryan Gosling meme and Tumblr, and there was a book made uh, about that. Jackson Bird is the communications director for the Harry Potter Alliance, which is a group, an activism group that grew out of Harry Potter fandom, which is really cool. Uh, we got house favorite authors from Book Riot, like Daniel Jose Older and Sarah McLean and Lori Hulse Anderson, and wait for it, wait for it, Margaret Atwood. <laughs> I know. We're so excited. Oh, and N.K. Jemison, who the paperback <gasps> of her book is out this week. The what is it? The fifth. The fifth season. The fifth season. I keep wanting to say the fifth element, but I don't want to confuse N.K. Jemison with like 1990s Bruce Willis movies. But it's a good movie, though. It is. A, it is. Yeah, uh, it's a good. It's good. Yeah. Roberta. <laughs> Roberta Kaplan, uh, who's the author who are not well, she is an author and she's a lawyer who litigated the case uh, before the Supreme Court that struck down the Defense of Marriage Act has a book coming out this fall and she will be speaking. Mark Oshiro, who runs the popular Tumblr, Mark Does Stuff. We've got Mike Cole. We've got Sarah McCary, who's an awesome young adult author. Jason Reynolds, Greg Pack, who draws the storm or who writes the storm comic. So, so many great people. Oh, Alicia Rye, who writes awesome uh, contemporary erotica and romance. Alexander, Alexander. Chi. <laughs> If we're I keep say it at the same time, if I keep going, we're just going to squeal for an hour. Yes. And so if this sounds good to you, oh, and we're going to do live recordings of all of our podcasts. So you can watch me and Liberty wave Muppet arms live uh, and face to face, which will be very exciting for us. You have us. to sign a waiver first. <laughs> it's like the splash zone when you yep. sit in the first two rows at uh, SeaWorld. Yep. Our enthusiasm might overflow. Uh, so go to bookriotlive.com, see all the information about programming and the amazing speakers that we have. Um, check out tickets to the fancy cocktail party in the Strands Rare Book Room and use the code MORECATS, all one word, to get $20 off your registration. Come hang out with us on November 7th and 8th. So you know how I might have said a couple of episodes ago that I would eat James Patterson if Alexander Chi's new book didn't do well? I do vaguely recall yeah. something of that effect. Well, I just learned that his uh, book, which comes out in February, is the most requested galley that the publisher has, has ever had. Really? So I think that's a good sign. I, I think, think James so. Patterson is safe. <laughs> 
safe. So. Otherwise, they're going to have to move him to an undisclosed <laughs> location. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Alex's uh, publication date will roll up and they'll, uh, like, <laughs> men in black cars will find James Patterson and transport him. I imagine that's how he gets around now anyway. Probably so. Yeah. But not usually under threat of redheaded women eating him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to nothing, anything like that. Um <laughs> So I I snagged this book. Apparently, you were really excited about it too, but I put it down first. But you're gonna help me. We're co- we're gonna co rave. Yeah, uh, but I will start. It is an amazing short story collection called Barbara the Slut and Other People by Lauren Holmes. Now, for some reason, I don't read a lot of short story collections, like compared to novels. I get I think every year I'm gonna read more short story collections, and then I get to the end of the year and I look at you know I compare numbers and I'm like no. No, and I don't know why that is. I just, I never think to pick them up unless it's like a new Kelly Link or Elizabeth McCracken or someone has to point me, you know, or someone has pointed me in the direction of something, you know. But that is not one of these, this is not one of these times. I can't talk today. (laughs) I'm just so excited about this book. This is not one of those times. Um, because when this book arrived in the mail, I took one look at the title and I was like, let's read this right now. Woohoo! Who doesn't enjoy the opportunity to read a book with slut on the cover in public? I mean, really. Yeah, like big, like spray painted pink, like across the cover. Um, and it, it's amazing. The stories are freaking fantastic. Uh, Holmes writes these stories that are kind of, kind of seat wrigglers, I would call them. Mm-hmm. Because she has this way of capturing truths that make you feel a little uncomfortable, but they're so compelling and so funny. Like, and what so is from the perspective funny. of a dog? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I laughed out loud several times, which happens very rarely when I'm reading. I don't, I don't cry much when I read and I, you know, movies and, and TV I do all the time, but like reading doesn't happen very often. I laughed several times at this book. Um, there's a story about a woman who wants to break up with her boyfriend on the way down to vacation with her family, but they can't stop. So now like her vacation is very stressful because she's just waiting to break up with this guy and she was really looking forward to being free while she was on vacation um there's one about a woman whose rescue pit bull is afraid of men and then the woman meets a man from switzerland who is only in the country for a few months and is also very afraid of dogs so of course the pit bull loves him um and i really love the first story about the young woman who goes to visit her mother in mexico and her mother breaks her (laughs) makes her bring 50 pairs of victoria's secret underwear to sell at a huge markup on the beach and then her mom Um, spends the whole time with her creepy boyfriend yeah who, who she, like, makes pretend that she doesn't know English. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, I really liked the one about the woman who moves to California with her boyfriend and can't find a job at the law firm, so she takes a job as at a lesbian adult toy store. Pretends uh, to be gay. Yeah. The only reason she gets the job is because the owner thought she was a lesbian. And it just, Holmes, like, shows how increasingly desperate things are in this woman's life by the things that she will do to sort of keep her job. Um, it's, it's just absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, I think that this collection is the beginning of Riverhead's stunning second half of the year showcase mm-hmm. because we have Lauren Groff's new novel coming next month, and that is going to melt everyone's face off. It's called Fates and Furies, and I refer to it as a literary chest burster. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then there's Claire Bay Watkins' amazing mm-hmm. novel a few weeks later called Gold Fame Citrus. Like, Riverhead is really getting ready. 
to just pummel people with amazing stuff. They are. And uh, Penguin, just Penguin in general, has amazing stuff yeah. coming out in the second part of the year. In a couple of weeks, I'll be talking about In the Language of Miracles by Rajia Hasib, which is a, another debut novel from Viking. Uh, their penguins doing just a killer year. Um, I I also really loved Barbara the Slut and other people. I thought this collection was hysterical. Um, and just exactly like you said, there are some squiggly, squirmy, you know, uncomfortable moments because she just captures the true things that maybe we don't want to admit about ourselves and our lives so well. Um, that the short story from the perspective of a dog who uh, like describes everything in terms of how it smells and how it tastes is really great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it reminded me of a collect. I do read a lot of short stories. I love short story collections. Um, and it reminded me of a collection from earlier this year called Single Carefree Mellow by Catherine Heine, uh, which I believe was a Knopf collection from mm -hmm. Random House, uh, which is also hilarious and smart and so candid about uh, all the stories are about women uh, in their 20s searching for love and dealing with dating. Uh, there's a woman who agrees to meet her married boyfriend's wife for a drink and it, it like it has an awesome moment, but then it very quickly goes south. Um, there's a woman who's in love with both her boyfriend and her boss. Uh, another one who is in love with her roommate, her male roommate who basically doesn't know that she's alive and insults her. Um, it's about the realities of love and sex and infidelity. There is this running gag through a couple of the stories about um, – I can't say the real word that Heine uses on a family-friendly show, but about no. <laughs> uh, we, we can call them climax facts uh, that uh, <laughs> one of the characters notices that uh, after making whoopee men like the first thing that men say after that like pause in the afterglow is some sort of random fact like they just declare whatever random fact they're thinking of kind of like the grown-up version of that little boy from jerry Maguire. <laughs> the human head weighs eight pounds dogs and bees can smell fear and so one of the characters like rattles off all of the facts that the different men in her life have shared with her uh, after intimate moments and it's just hilarious um catherine heine spoke at bea on a panel that our coworker. Jen Northington curated and she was just lovely and funny and as wonderful as I expected her to be um, so if Barbara the Slut and other people sounds good to you you will also dig single carefree mellow and that's our we call those backlist bumps here on all the books yeah it's a, it's a great book it is okay what's next for you um oh it, the next book I'm going to talk about, speaking of eating James Patterson, <laughs> it's not a cookbook, but it is called Man Eater, The Life and Legend of an American Cannibal by Harold Schechter. Um, this is the true story of Alfred Packer, who, with five other prospectors, walked into the Colorado Rockies in the horrible, frozen, terrible winter of 1873. Months later, only Alfred Packer walked out. Ooh. He claimed starvation and harsh conditions had killed his companions. But Packard didn't look like he was starving. Uh, he, people said he looked very well fed. And he was also in possession of a lot of cash and some personal items belonging to the other men. Men who had notoriously despised him and would not have uh, given him these things, you know, any, under any other condition. Um, people, So people started to press the sheriff to make inquiries into what really happened. And when he sat Packer down, he changed his story, claiming that one of the other men in the party had killed everyone. And then he had had to kill that man in self-defense. Um, and his story changed a few more times over the years, uh, whenever he told it. But one part of the story did not. Cannibalism. He He's claimed... a man-eater. <laughs> <laughs> now, cannibalism in the 19th century was not unheard of. Um, you had the Donner Party. 
And then there was those famous explorations and shipwrecks that I can't name off the top of my head right now. Um, it was kind of accepted as, like, that's what happened when conditions got really bad. Like, that's what you did. Um, but the suggestion was put forth that Packer killed his companions for financial gain. So he was arrested and imprisoned. Uh, he managed to escape a few days later and was recaptured nine years after that um, and tried in court. People came from all around to get a look at this famous cannibal. They sold photos of him. It was like a big spectacle. Uh, and this is the most interesting part of the book, I think. I know that I'm a little dark and, and weird, but this I actually found this part to be much more interesting. Um, the trial and mm. the sentencing and his fame. Like, the events that, that took place are really not that different from today at all. Like, the, the trial was crazy. Um, they kept getting him new trials based on, like, all these weird things. Like, uh, they tried to charge him in the state of Colorado, and then his lawyer put forth that when he committed his crimes, Colorado was not a state at that time. So they got, the, they got it thrown out, so then they tried him on these things and, like, all these, like, different legal hang-ups. And the newspapers were out of control. Like, they would just say whatever they wanted about this guy. Like, most of it, 99% of the time, was not true. But they would print it all over the country, and people would be like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's this and he's that. And there was, like, nothing. There was no, like, making a retraction or an apology, you know, a few mm -hmm. minutes later, like, when something's posted on the internet. Um, or being like, no, that's not true. You know, newspapers would say like, oh, we saw him and he looked crazed and filthy and his eyes were wild, you know. And then, you know, the author would read this document that described Packer on the day of whatever the newspaper was talking about. And they'd be like, you know, he was clean and neatly dressed. <laughs> you know, like people just made stuff up because they, it sold newspapers. You know, and the whole thing was just fascinating to me. Um, people might recognize the name Alfred Packer because his story was made into a musical in the early 1990s by the guys who created South Park called Cannibal <laughs> the Musical. That's um, just so perfect. Yeah. I don't think I ever watched that, but I had heard of it. Um, and I found out that after I read this, that Harold Schechter, the author, is an American true crime writer. He has like a million books um, and he specializes in serial killers. He's written something like over 30 books about serial killers. Whoa. And he is also the father of novelist Lauren Oliver. And I was like, I wish my dad was that cool. <laughs> and so. she writes kind of scary, creepy stuff, she, too. She does, yeah. She wrote, um, what is it, The Rooms? Is that what it was? Rooms, yeah. Yeah, the ghost story a while ago. That was pretty creepy. Uh, so, again, that book was called Maneater, The Life and Legend of an American Cannibal by Harold Schechter. They must have had great dinner table conversations at their house. Yeah. That must have been really cool. Uh, before my next pick, we have our next sponsor, which is again from Book Riot. And this time around, it's our quarterly boxes, which I don't think we've talked about on the show yet. So the basic pitch is you like books and you love mail and nothing is better than getting books in the mail, right? We all know that this is nothing. just true. Uh, so Book Riot will send you books in the mail once a quarter. Thus, it's called quarterly. Uh, for 50 bucks a quarter, you can subscribe either to our mainline box, uh, which is books in, well, Mostly it's adult titles, but we've included some young adult. Um, we will include anything that we think is awesome. All of the titles are always a surprise. That's part of the delight. So if you're a person who needs to know what you're getting in advance, this is not the thing for you. Uh, we pick books that we at Book Riot love that we think maybe you haven't heard of or gotten to yet. Um, we also send awesome bookish items. Most of the time, uh, some of those items are custom, like we've done a Books and Booze custom flask. Last fall, we did an awesome uh, knit hat that just said book 
hooks across the top that everyone loved uh, and that I think was the most popular item. And we typically work with at least one of the authors who's being featured in each box to get some sort of exclusive something from them that you couldn't get anywhere else. Uh, So like in our most recent box, we featured uh, the word exchange by Alina Graydon and Smarter Than You Think by Clive Thompson. Clive wrote an awesome essay about reading War and Peace on his iPhone, and we published that at Book Riot on a secret page just for quarterly subscribers. Alina wrote a coda to her book that takes place after the book ends, um, and it was printed and only sent to quarterly subscribers. Uh, So they now know things about the characters from that book that no one else knows. We've had authors annotate their books before. Um, We do all kinds of cool stuff. This next box is really awesome and it ships in September. You need to subscribe by August 18th to get it. Go to bookriot.com slash quarterly to get your uh, mainline box. We also have a young adult quarterly box that features exclusively titles for young adults. Um, Both boxes carry all kinds of genres, very diverse selections. Uh, and Kelly Jensen, who is our like young adult rock star contributor, um, contributing editor or associate editor at Book Riot, runs that box. She has just phenomenal taste and reads so widely. So you can go to bookriot.com slash YA quarterly to get information and to subscribe to those. And we will send you books and bookish surprises in the mail every three months. So it's, it's my favorite time. It is a good time. It's my favorite project to work on for Book Riot. It's really fun. Besides this one, you mean? Obviously. Yeah. This is like, this is just above <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> this is a treat. This is a treat. It's not even work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, bookriot.com slash quarterly or slash YA quarterly for info on our subscription boxes and let us send you mail. The next YA box goes out in October. All right. So my next pick this week is one that I haven't gotten to read yet. I've been anxiously waiting and they never released digital galleys of it, which is how I do most of my reading. And I was sad, but I'm totally happy to spend my book dollars on it. It's called Three Moments of an Explosion uh, by China Mieville. This is a short story collection. Um, it's being compared to George Saunders and Karen Russell, both of whom I love. I like my short stories most of the time with a heavy helping of dark and weird. And uh, Mieville is wonderful at that. His novels are brain bendy. Uh, I really, really loved The City and the City. He also wrote Kraken and Embassy Town and Rail Sea. He's incredibly prolific. His brain is a fascinating place, I would imagine. Uh, And our coworker, Jen, tweeted when she read this that it was like reaching blindfolded into a box, exciting, terrifying, and full of surprises. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to what that might mean for a collection of creepy, dark, twisty, China Mieville short stories. Three moments of an explosion. I'm really glad that you picked it because I didn't know how to say his name. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm like... Only about 85% sure, but I just decided I would say it confidently. No, I think you're right. Like, it's not, well, I'm going to say you're right. Okay. Yeah. The Russian one, judge is giving you a, an eight, but I If say I'm wrong and someone knows, feel free to let us know. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, we're getting so close to out of time again. It's amazing how it just flies by. It does. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you quickly about my last pick, which is one that I read several months ago. So I hope I remember all the details correctly. But I do remember how much I loved it, and it is called Goodbye Stranger by Rebecca Stead. Uh, Goodbye Stranger is about three best friends in seventh grade. Uh, there's Bridge, a girl who survives a horrific accident. She's in this, like, terrible accident, and pretty much everyone at the hospital is like, how did you survive that? We don't even know. And it puts a lot of stress on her because now she feels like, you know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? 
Um, there's Emily, who has just started to get curves, and boys are starting to take notice. And there's one boy that she really likes who is pressuring her to take pictures of herself and send them to him. Oh, um, bad idea, bad idea. Yeah. And then there's Tabitha, the third best friend, who thinks that she has everything figured out, not just for herself, but for everyone else. Um, and instead tells their stories as they try to navigate through their confusion and embarrassment and love, which ultimately tests their friendship. Um, I would say a running theme on all the books has been, boy, are we glad we're not in school anymore. Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah, and I certainly felt that way reading this book. It's heartbreaking the new pressures kids face. I, would, I was thinking about it, and I would say that I am possibly from the last generation whose parents didn't have to deal with the new complications that the internet brings into kids' lives. Like, I, we just, mm-hmm. like, the internet hadn't come out quite yet when I graduated. Um, instead, it's just a remarkable writer. Like A.S. King does with her teenage characters, Stead really brings every detail to life. Um, if you haven't read her Newbery medal-winning book, When You Reach Me, I suggest you do it right now. Like, right now. Or in a few minutes when the podcast ends. Um, and don't read anything about it, because it ruins everything. Like, after I read the book, I had not read anything about it. I read the reviews, and I was like, why are you telling people that? That's spoiling everything. I When You Reach Me, it's just also incredible, incredible. Uh, and this is her new one, again, by Rebecca Stead. It's called Goodbye Stranger. And now we can all sing the Super Tramp song for the rest of the day. <laughs> yes. Uh, my next pick also ties into Boy Am I Glad I'm Not a Teenager Anymore. Uh, and it's one that I'm looking forward to reading now that it's out in paperback. It's called Point, P-O-I-N-T-E, like Point Ballet, uh, by Brandy Colbert. I'm going to say Colbert. It's spelled like Colbert Report. It could be Colbert. Brandy, I am sorry. Uh, this is billed as Black Swan meets Speak by Lori Hals Anderson. And so I'm totally sold already. The main character is a teenage girl named Theo who is working towards becoming an elite ballet dancer. Uh, she's a young black girl and we don't get many stories about black girls dancing ballet Uh, so already a notable uh, diverse perspective if you are diversifying your reading this year and you care about diverse YA this is a good place to go I've heard nothing but wonderful things about point Uh, Theo's best friend Donovan returns home after spending four years with the person who kidnapped him and Theo starts reliving memories about Donovan being abducted and about the person who took him so she knows something about it Um, She has to decide between telling the truth, which will put her at a very large risk and could basically ruin all of her plans for the future, um, or keeping quiet, which might actually be worse. Uh, And so, you know, you have a big dilemma, big difficult issues. This book was widely praised um, for taking on uh, big important issues in teens' lives that aren't addressed very frequently um, and for uh, spotlighting uh, a diverse author um, that which is the thing that we care about on all the books and at Book Riot very much. We want publishing to do more of that, to tell more diverse stories. And so uh, yay for the paperback release of Point by Brandy Colbert or Colbert. Please someone tell me which way. I googled and I could not find it. I'm sure she gets it all the time now. (laughs) So I know. Blame Stephen. (laughs) So uh, those are the new books this week. Lib, what are you going to read now? Um, Something about the heat. Like, this stupid, stupid heat that we're experiencing makes me want to read horror. Ah. Like, this week I've read, like, seven horror novels, old and new. Um, And now I'm going to read a book that comes out, I think, next week. It's called The Best Horror of the Year, Volume 7. It's edited by Ellen Datlow and features some of today's most amazing writers, including Gemma Files, Stephen Graham Jones, Caitlin Kiernan, Garth Nix, uh, Brian Evanson, and Laird Barron. So I figured after like whole books of horror, why not just see how many people can scare me in little ways? <laughs> what are you going to read? 
Uh, I'm on a short story kick this summer, and I'm currently about halfway through Mothers Tell Your Daughters, which is a collection by Bonnie Jo Campbell that comes out in the fall. Uh, It is phenomenal. I said that I like my stories dark, twisty, and weird. These are stories that are firmly grounded in reality, which is the other way that I really like short stories. They're set in Michigan, uh, where Campbell likes to tell most of her stories, but there's also this very like gritty, southern-feeling quality to them. And these are stories about womanhood and motherhood, the very complicated relationships between mothers and daughters, and the nasty truths about what it is to be a woman in the world. Most of the men in these stories are just terrible. And Campbell is very direct about that. Uh, in my favorite piece of the collection so far, uh, there it's about an old couple. The husband is on morphine. He's about to die. And he was horrible and abusive to his wife in life. So now that she's supposed to be taking care of him and he's delirious, she uh, puts a space heater next to his feet every day. And as his feet gets hot, get, as his feet get hot, she has him convinced that it's the fires of hell and <laughs> that he needs to apologize. And, um, you know, sort of come to Jesus uh, for all of the things that he did to her and to their children. It's just this collection is righteously angry in a really great way. Um, It's my first time reading Bonnie Jo Campbell, and I'm going to go right to all of her backlist. She's great. It's it's so it's just so awesome. So those are our new books for the week. That's our show. Uh, You can check out bookriotlive.com for information about the event on November 7th and 8th. And don't forget to use the code MORECATS, all one word, to save $20 on your registration. Go to bookriot.com slash quarterly or slash YA quarterly to get information about our quarterly mail subscriptions and let us send send you books and bookish goodness. Uh, It's really fun and we promise you'll like it. Uh, You can check out not check out you can hit us up on twitter i'm (laughs) at rebecca shinsky my brain is still on vacation that's s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y liberty is at miss liberty Uh, if you like the show and you would take a minute to rate or review it on itunes it lets us know how we're doing and more important it helps new book lovers to find the show and find their way to all the books and we sincerely appreciate those of you who have taken time to rate and review it so far we certainly do And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today and more books that we have read and, you know, about cannibals, uh, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at www.bookriot.com slash all the books. And there you'll find a link to our weekly new books newsletter written by me where you can hear about more titles. And that's it. That's our show. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.